This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Family, what a wonderful privilege I have of sharing the Word of God with you today. I believe this is a word in season in Jesus' name. The title of my message is Looking at the Unseen. In November 1963, Walt Disney he piloted his own plane and he flew over Florida. He flew over 27,443 acres of land. He looked at what everyone would think is a swamp. It was water, trees, alligators, dirt, dust. But he didn't see dirt, dust, alligators. He had a vision in his mind. He pictured a theme park. He saw his future. He envisioned his future, which he would call Walt Disney World. On the 15th of December, 1966, Walt Disney died. And the world lost one of its greatest imagineers. Well, that's what Walt's word was for, in, for someone who was a visionary, a dreamer. But five years after his death, Walt Disney World was opened. In fact, it was the 1st of October, 1971. It was officially opened and his brother Roy actually cut the ribbon at the celebration. But someone during the celebration said to Roy, if only Walt could have seen this. And you know what Roy's answer was? He said, Walt did see this, and because he saw this, you see this today. So according to the American Heritage Dictionary, the word imagination is the process or power of forming a mental image of something not real or present. See, imagination is seeing a picture of something that's not real or present, what is vision? It's different from vision. Vision is a mental image produced by the imagination. And we cannot have vision without imagination. So imagination helps us to see what isn't there at the time. It gives us pictures in our mind. So when Walt Disney flew over the swamp, he saw pictures of a theme park in his mind. He saw a families playing and families leaving the outside world and just having a wonderful time together. And that became his vision. Well, Hebrews 11.3 says, So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So this verse shows us that how God creates. Shows us that God, in fact, was the original imagineer. And what he envisioned would become a reality. We know very well, Psalms 139 says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. If we look at verse 16, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So God was thinking about you. 
Long before you were born, he had you on his mind. He imagined what you would look like. He imagined the, what purpose that he would give you, the gifts and talents. He thought about you before the foundation of the earth. And you know what, family? Even if your mother and father were not expecting you, God was expecting you. You are not a mistake. So God was the greatest and still is the greatest imagineers. And he has given us gifts and talents, and he's given us a purpose and was given to us before the foundation of the world. But it is up to us to discover what our purpose is, and that's why we have the growth track that everyone should take and learn to discover your purpose, your God-given purpose. I want us to look today at, a, uh, at the story of Moses. Remember the story when the Israelites had been in slavery for more than 400 years? But God wanted to deliver them out of their bondage, out of their slavery, and take them to his promised land, into his purpose, into the will of God for their lives. And so he sent Moses. And he said, Moses, I want you to go and deliver my people out of bondage and take them to Canaan, so land full of blessings. Now, what did Moses have to do? Moses had to figure out a way how to ignite their imaginations how he could give them a vision for a better life for themselves and their families. But because the Israelites had been in bondage for so long, they had lost their ability to dream and to imagine a future that was beyond their slavery and bondage. So it was Moses' strategy was to awaken that imagination, much like being a real estate developer. You know, if you're going to build a house and the architect tells you, he says, you can imagine your kitchen being like this. Imagine your bedroom on this side or your garage on that side. Tries to paint a mental picture of what is going to, your house is going to look like. So here's Moses. He tried to paint pictures of them raising their families in the land that God had given them. So he sent out spies to the promised land and he commanded the spies and said, I want to know everything about the topography of the land, the details of the land, the inhabitants and infrastructure. The land is fertile. Bring us some grapes or some fruit from the land. And we know that they did that. In fact, in Numbers 13, 23, it says, then they came to the valley of Eshkol and from there cut down a branch of a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two men with some pomegranates and the figs. So when they returned, and when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation. And they showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him, we went into the land that you sent us, Moses, and it does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So the Israelites had an opportunity to hear about the land that God had given them. They had an opportunity to see the fruit. Some of them were able to maybe taste the fruit. Can you imagine that the grapes must have been so big that they had a pole to carry the grapes and the land was so fertile that the figs were so amazing and pomegranates were so big. So what was Moses doing? He's trying to ignite their imagination for them to see themselves living in the land of prosperity and blessings with their families. But 
the ten spies that went, they let their fears of the present circumstance, the fears of the moment, dictate their future. You hear me, family? The ten spies let the fears of their circumstances, of the moment, dictate their future. Their fears sabotage the purposes of God. They allowed the present hardships and challenges that they were facing to steal their future. We see in Numbers 13, 30, then Cain quieted the people and said, we shall go up and we're going to conquer it. Why? Because Caleb remembered the word of God that was given to Moses when Moses said, God told Moses, that's my land that I'm giving to the Israelites. They're going to go in and they're going to possess it. That is my word to you, Moses. That's the land. That's the word that Caleb was holding on to. Oh, but the 10 men said, wait a minute. He said, we are not able we are not able to go up against the people because they're far too strong for us. So the 10 spies gave a bad report. That's what the word says. It says a bad report saying, the land through which we have gone, it's a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. We also saw the Nephilim, huge big giants, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight an apostle there has always said how did they know how did they know what the giants were thinking about them right but the the spies the ten spies they became defeated in their mind they saw themselves as failing they saw themselves as defeated and guess what they did they fed their fear to the Israelites. And the Israelites drink, drank the Kool-Aid of fear, took in their fear, and guess what? They began to think about going back to Egypt. They spoke about, we should just go back to Egypt. Now, P.K. Bernard said, a man without a vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past. When your memories are greater than your dreams, you are already dying. And the Israelites never got it. They wandered aimlessly around the, the wilderness until they perished. Their inability to capture the vision was rooted in their failure to embrace their identity in God. They forgot that they were covenant people. They forgot about the miracles that were already performed in their lives. But above all, in my opinion, they forgot the word that God gave them. They forgot the word. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They didn't see themselves how God saw them. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They felt like a bug in the land of giants. And they were going to get squashed and their dreams were going to get squashed. Listen to this family. It amazed me as I was restudying this. It amazed me that 10 people could influence 3 million and 10 people could change the future of 3 million people and their destiny. But unlike 
The rest of the Israelites, Joshua and Caleb, they embraced their God-given destiny. They allowed that vision that God had given them about their future to be etched deep within their heart. Even though they had to wait 40 years for their dreams to come to pass, they never lost their vision. They never lost uh, what God had put in their hearts. And so here we have Caleb's exhortation to Joshua as they are older men now and they're going into the promised land. Joshua 14, 6 says, And then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said, Listen, family, you know the word. Let's say that again. You know the word. You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when the Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought uh, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. He said, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord wholeheartedly. In other words, he said, I held on to the word of God. When the others believed lies and fear, but I held on to the word of God. And you know what Moses said? Because you held on to the word of God, you're going to go and get your that land. It's going to be inheritance to you, but not only to you, Caleb, to your children also. So when we hold on to the word of God, despite the situation we are following, not only are we going to be blessed, but our children are going to be blessing. Uh, glory to God. And then in verse 13, so Joshua blessed him, that's Caleb, and sent him to Hebron and said, there we go, you can have Hebron as your inheritance. Why? Because he held on to the word despite the fears of the spies. And the question I want to ask you today and myself is, who is going to be the imagineer of our future? How do we see ourselves going forward? How do we see our families going forward? How do we see our wives and our, our husbands going forward? How do we see our children? Do we see them backslidden or do we see them coming back to God? How do we see the future of our businesses? Do we see them collapsing or do we see them prospering? How are we imagining our future? Are we going to see what God has ahead of us or are we going to allow people to steal our dreams? Or are we going to allow the circumstance that we face to steal our future? No, family, we are not. We are going to hold on to the word of God. I know you are. Who are we going to allow in our lives to be our influences? I believe the more we read the word, the more we have the word in our heart, the more we renew our minds to the will of God, the more we'll see the plan of God for our lives. And you know, God's plan for us is always good despite what we're facing. The vision that he has given us is for a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, so famous. We love this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And plans to give you a hope and a future. Now we know that the Israelites, they lost hope, they lost their vision, and so they lost their future. But we are not going to be like those Israelites. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to be like Caleb and Joshua holding on to the word of God, and we will see God's 
perfect plan come to pass in our lives. So we know Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. And we saw that. We saw that the Israelites just, they had no vision. They walked around the wilderness and they wandered aimlessly. King James Version says it this way, where there's no vision, people perish. Now remember what vision is? Vision is a mental image formed by our imagination. So how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself strong, healthy, well, the mind of Christ? How do you see yourself? What do you see yourself becoming? What do you see yourself doing? Because what we imagine ourselves doing and becoming is what we're going to live out. Do you remember that story in the Bible where the people were building the Tower of Babel, Genesis eleven six, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Family, can you imagine that? The NRB says nothing they plan to do, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Another translation says nothing that they purpose to do will be impossible for them. And the Berean study Bible says nothing they devise will be beyond them. Can you believe this family? We're talking about people who did not even serve God. Yet, they were in one accord. That's why it's so important to be in unity. And I'm completely allergic to strife and division. Will not tolerate it. Number two, they spoke positively about their future. Many people think, how can this person over there? They're not born again, but my goodness, they are blessed. Well, let's have a look at their words. They speak, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be prosperous. And they speak words of life over their lives and it works for them because God said, if you're in unity and you speak and you imagine something in your, your heart, nothing will stop you. Nothing will be impossible. So do you know that God had to say, okay, I better go down there because what were they imagining? They were imagining these, these people that they were going to uh, build a tower to heaven. Honestly, family, I can't even imagine building a tower to heaven. But you know, that was in their heart. They didn't even think they could not do it. And God said, if we don't go down and confuse their language, they are going to do that. That's incredible. They weren't even following God. Are we thinking too small? Are we imagining wrong pictures? I believe that we born-again Christians should be unstoppable. Nothing is impossible for us because we serve a God of the impossible. Okay, let's have a look at the, the story of Elijah. Remember, there was a time, there was a drought in Israel for three and a half years. The people, their mouths were parched. They were desperate for water. And so Elijah he goes to King Ahab and he says, King Ahab, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I love Elijah. He didn't go and say, 
I, I think there's going to be a trickle of rain coming. I think there's a little rain coming. No, he said, I hear the abundance of rain coming. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was no rain in the distance. It was not pandering. Yet Elijah could hear what was coming before it arrived. Did you hear me, family? Elijah heard what was coming before it arrived. Glory to God. 1 Kings 18, 41 says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so Ahab, he got up and he ate and he drank, uh, went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went at the top of the Mount of Carmel, and he bowed, he went to pray. He put his face between his knees, and then he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. <laughs> and then Elijah said, go again. And he said, there is nothing. Go away again, because I have said with my mouth, there's an abundance of rain. It's coming. He said, no, I don't say, yes, you come. <laughs> and because I hear the abundance of rain. And sometimes, family, we speak the word of God, and we don't see it immediately. We don't see the results immediately. But the results are coming. Hallelujah. The results are coming. It might take a month. It might take two months. But we are not moved by time. We are moved by the word. We are not moved by time. We are moved by the word. We've got to hold on to the word of God, speak the word of God, declare the word of God, and it will come to pass. Verse 44. Then it came to pass, hallelujah, <laughs> it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, Ahab, prepare your chariot. Go down before the rain stops you. Can you imagine Ahab? He must have, uh, when he got the word from Elijah, he must have thought, what is the matter with this man? There is no rain, there's no thunder, there's no wind. But Elijah had heard the word, and now he was declaring the word. And so it happened in the meantime. Oh, I love the word meantime. Listen, family, when we speak the word of God, even if we don't see it at that time, there is a meantime. In the meantime, when you speak the word of God, that the sky became black with clouds and the wind, and there was a heavy rain. Glory to God. So Ahab rode away to Jezreel. So Elijah didn't hear it in the natural. He heard it in his heart. And he was bold enough to declare what he believed. He announced it. He declared it. And we know that the word of God has creative power. People might look at you uh, like Ahab. Look at Elijah. When, and Ahab must said, what's the matter with Elijah? When you say, I believe I'm healed. I believe I'm prosperous. I believe God's working in my life. I believe my children are serving the Lord. I believe I have an amazing marriage. People might look at you and think, what's the matter with you? But we're speaking the word of God and it will come to pass because we're not uh, looking in the natural. We are looking in the supernatural and we are calling those things that be not as though they were. Even if family negative voices are trying to uh, speak loudly into our head, even if there's a voice of doubt trying to get into our head, even the voice 
Uh, any negative voice. No, you know what? How we respond to negative voices? We pull them down because God said they are wicked imaginations. Anything that is opposite to the word is wicked imaginations. So we have to speak what we believe. And I want to declare over you today, just like Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. My precious family, I hear the sound of victory coming your way. You might have felt that you've been defeated in some area of your life, but I want you to know, I hear the sound of victory coming your way, coming to your city, coming to your church, coming to your family. God is going to raise you up. God's going to do a new thing in your life. Believe it and receive it. I hear the sound of supernatural provision coming your way. Glory to God. I know, family, many of you that are believing God for, uh, that have been tithing and you believe in God for finances. Well, I hear the sound of supernatural provision coming your way. I hear the sound of God opening doors that no man can shut. You might say, but you know, Pastor Bev, it's been a difficult time. I hear the sound of God opening doors that no man can shut because we serve a God of the supernatural and when was impossible, difficult for God. He specializes in the impossible. I hear the sound of favor coming your way. I hear the sound of blessings coming your way. God is going to do a new thing in your life. And those of you who've been trusting for a God for a mate, I hear the sound of wedding bells in your future. Family, not only must we see it, but we must declare it and we must speak victory, speak promotion, speak divine connections, speak supernatural opportunities, speak new seasons, even if you feel like that you're going through a season that's a winter season, it's a dark season, but I declare to you that that season is past and spring and summer are in your future. We must not, as born-again believers, accept defeat. No, we are not going to accept failure. No, we're not going to accept a life of mediocrity. No, God has more in store for you. In the Christian life, we can't lose for winning. Did you hear? <laughs> in the Christian life, we can't lose for winning. Never forget, precious family, that God is on your side and he's for you and he's not against you. As we hold on to the word, and we speak the word and declare the word, we are going to see the word come to pass in our lives, no matter what we're facing. On Tuesday, November the 3rd, my husband, Apostle Theo, had a massive heart attack. And I want you, I know many of you will want to know why this happened to him and what has the Lord shown him. And Apostle Theo will tell you in his own words why he believes this happened to him. He will explain it to you sooner than later. And the Lord has shown him. And he's going to share that with you soon. But I want to take this time in sharing with you from a wife's perspective what happened and how I am dealing with it and have dealt with it. So it started about 10 p.m. on Tuesday night. We were, I was preparing for bed and Apostle Theo said to me, I want to go to my study, or to my dressing room and uh, read my scripture, uh, scriptures, quote the word, confess my scriptures. This is nothing unusual. This is what he does, um, usually on a daily basis. So he went to his dressing room to confess the word, the scriptures over his life. 
He'd been doing that for about an hour when I heard in a un very unusual tone and he called my name. And when he called my name, I realized that something was very wrong. So I jumped out of bed and I went to his dressing room and I said, Thea, what can I do for you? And he said, I want you just to confess the word over my life. So I said, absolutely. So we took the cards that we always use, that he wrote out the scriptures, and I started confessing over his life. He told me that he had a pain in his chest. And so I read the scriptures to him for about two hours, when he said to me, the pain in my chest is about a 10. And he said, Bev, I want you to phone the doctor next door. His name is uh, Dr. Gopi, and ask him to come over and check me. So I phoned Sandy, that's his wife, it was 12.30 a.m. and I phoned her and, and she didn't answer, but I just kept on, kept on phoning until she did answer, thank the Lord. And I said, Sandy, I need Dr. Gopi, if he's there, to please come over and check my husband, he's got a pain in his chest. And so in the meantime, I had called uh, Dean to come in and be with me in case I needed help. And so he was already with me and uh, Dr. Gopi came over. He checked Apostle Theo and he said immediately, Bev, call 911. When Dr. Gopi said, call 911, I, I went straight into my battle mode. And in my mind, I knew we had a fight to fight. But we are going to win this battle because of the word that was inside of me. And I thank God for Apostle Theo's teaching, which has taught me the word of faith. And I've got the word of faith inside of me so that at my crisis, the word can come out of me. And so I knew it was no time to collapse, no time to cry. But as a soldier goes into war, you are already suited up with our armor of God. And now we are in the battle. So I kept, I kept calm. I called 911. The ambulance came. The uh, fire truck came. Two police cruisers came. They rushed into my, my front door, went down the passage, into my bedroom. The four men were work, working on Apostle Theo. I stayed calm and remained calm, and they would not allow me to get into the ambulance because Dr. Gopi said, I want you to take him to the, uh, the Methodist Medical Heart um, Center downtown. So because of COVID, I was not allowed to get into the ambulance. So Dean, who was already here, said, um, Pastor Bev, I'll rush you behind the ambulance to the hospital, which I was so grateful for. And so we uh, followed the ambulance. And you know, I, Dean and I never spoke one negative word because I know so well, Numbers 14.28 says, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. So there was no way that I was going to say one word that was negative or out of line with the word of God. I refused to be overwhelmed by the circumstances. I refused to give in to fear, even though this was the biggest giant that I as a wife had ever faced. And I've faced many giants. In church, we have many giants that we've, you know, faced obviously in ministry over 40-something years. My children have given me a few giants uh, to slay. Our grandchildren, we had opportunities to use our faith. So I'm used to fighting giants, but as a woman, as a wife, this is the biggest giant I have to face. But I reminded myself that it doesn't matter the size of the giant, they all come down the same way. 
Remember when David faced his big giant, what did he say? He said, this day, the Lord will give you into my hand. And so I knew that it didn't matter how big this giant was, that I was going to slay it with the words of my mouth. That's the way we're going to win, with the words of my mouth. So I just remained in uh, peace and I remained calm and, and remained in faith. Because when you face a crisis, family, there are only two choices. Number one, we can give in to fear, like the, the Israelites, they gave in to fear and they were defeated. I was not going to be one of them. Or we can speak the word of faith and eventually we will win because the word works. But we can't do both. We can't go into faith, fear and faith. They cannot, they don't live together. And I have chosen in my heart and my mind, I am in faith and I'm staying in faith. When we arrived at the hospital, they would not allow Dean to come inside with us. So he, bless his heart, had to wait in the car. They rushed Apostle Theo into a room. There was about eight or 12 people running around him. It was hectic and, and uh, very overwhelming, but I remained calm and remained in faith. Then they rushed him to surgery and they put me in a waiting room and it was about two or three o'clock in the morning. And so I was in this massive waiting room all by myself, but I was remained in faith, remained calm and the peace of God, which passes all understanding was my portion. And I knew that he would live and not die. When he, the cardiologist came out, who happened to be our other next door neighbor, and Apostle Thea will share that story. It's quite a unique one. And you can see how God just orchestrated everyone around us. And he came out and he, he had done the surgery and he said, your husband is very lucky to be alive because he had the widow make a heart attack. Well, we know that God kept him alive. <clears throat> so when the doctor left, I thanked the Lord for keeping him alive, but I knew more than ever how important my words would be from that moment on, even if I heard any report of the doctor. When Apostle Theo came out of surgery, we went straight to ICU. They hooked him up with, looked to me like a million pipes, a million uh, cords were going everywhere. They had the monitor on him and I spoke words of faith over his life. I never looked at the monitor as my, that's what um, I believe, no, I don't mind what his blood pressure was, what his heart was saying, what the oxygen was saying, what anything of those things were saying. I looked to the word of God and that was my anchor. That was my hope and that is my future. And so I spoke the word over him every single day. I spoke the word, Theo, you are healed. Theo, you are whole. According to Romans 8, 11, which is the scripture that God gave me, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And I said, therefore, Theo, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you and is quickening your mortal body, keeping you well, keeping you whole, keeping you alive. And praise God, Theo, you have a brand new heart. 
Thank you, God, that your body functions the way God created to function. Theo, you will live out your days that God has allotted on the earth. You will finish your race. I hold fast my confession of faith without wavering. And I know, Theo, the best is yet to come. You'll be stronger than before. You'll be amazing. God has great future, a plan for you and I. And so, family, Apostle Theo is recovering well at home. As you know, it's going to be a little journey of regaining, regaining his strength and natural, but he's doing great. He's praying, confessing his word as usual, getting stronger day by day. But we would like to take the opportunity to thank our sons and our daughters. We would like to thank our natural family and all the ministers from around the world, all the believers from around the world that have poured out such incredible love to us and prayers of faith. And we want you to know how much we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for holding up our arms in the spirit. And we too want to speak life and blessings over your family at this time. And family, we believe the best is yet to come. Glory to God. Thank you, family. Those of you watching for the very first time and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, won't you just bow your head and I would like the opportunity to pray with you. If you would like to accept Jesus, just say this little prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And I believe that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when I die, I will live eternally in the presence of God in heaven. Amen. Well, if you said that, family, we're going to see you in heaven. It's the best decision you've ever made. Well, Apostle Theo sends all his love, and I believe you will see him soon. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.